We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. China is unapologetic about their spy balloon in a meeting with U.S. officials. China sending a surveillance balloon over the United States in violation of our sovereignty was unacceptable and must never happen again. Calls for Pete Buttigieg to resign grow louder as fallout from the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment continues. The Secretary of Transportation needs to resign. And YouTube CEO is set to step down. She has taken uh, YouTube to become one of the biggest websites on the internet. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, February 20th. I'm Mike Scott. Over the weekend, Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with his Chinese counterpart in Germany warned that surveillance balloons must never again fly over the U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has spoken with China's top diplomat about the spy balloon shot down from the sky. This was the first high-level contact between our countries since the incident earlier this month. That meeting took place in Munich at an international security conference. Secretary Blinken also said there will be, quote, serious consequences to the relationship between China and the U.S. if the Chinese provide weapons to Russia in its ongoing war with Ukraine. Blinken says he's concerned that China will help Russia in its war against Ukraine. What we've seen in, um, over the past years is, of course, uh, some political and rhetorical support, um, even some non-lethal support, but we are very concerned that China is considering providing lethal support to Russia in its aggression against Ukraine, uh, and I made clear that that would have uh, serious consequences uh, in our relationship. The Secretary of State says he discussed the balloon incident with his Chinese counterpart at the Munich Security Conference. This is something that the world expects of us. They expect us to manage this relationship responsibly. Blinken reiterates that he was firm with his Chinese counterpart. I made very clear to him that China sending a surveillance balloon over the United States in violation of our sovereignty, uh, in violation of international law, was unacceptable and must never happen again. The Chinese senior diplomat Wang Yi reiterated China's stance and says that the U.S. is simply overreacting. We asked the United States to handle it calmly and professionally based on consultation with the Chinese side. Regrettably, the United States disregards these facts and use advanced fighter jets and downed a balloon with its missiles. This is, I would say, absurd and hysterical. Meantime, John Kirby, coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council, speaking about the U.S. support for Ukraine, says that he can't say when the U.S. financial commitment will end. 
We don't know. Um, again, we, we would like to see it end now. Um, and certainly we want to see it on ends, uh, uh, end on terms that uh, are satisfactory to the Ukrainian people and to President Zelensky so that they remain a whole, free, sovereign, independent state. Kirby says that U.S. support for Ukraine has evolved as the war has changed. The first few days, as Kiev was under threat, a lot of attention on things like Javelin anti-tank missiles. As the war, as he collapsed his geographic territory to the Donbass and the east. It was all long-range fires, artillery, and these HIMARS. Now air defense is really critical because he's using cruise missiles and Iranian drones to strike civilian infrastructure. Kirby goes on to say that it's tough to say when the war and U.S. support will end. President Zelensky, as the commander-in-chief, gets to determine if and when he's ready to sit down and negotiate with Mr. Putin and under what circumstances. What we're focused on is making sure that he has all the tools to succeed on the battlefield so that if it comes to a negotiation or when, that he can succeed at the negotiating table as well. The U.S. is condemning North Korea's latest long-range missile test. Daybreak Insider's White House correspondent Greg Clugston has more on this story. The weekend missile launch came after North Korea threatened to take strong measures against South Korea and the U.S. over their planned joint military exercises. While the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command said the launch did not pose an immediate threat to U.S. personnel, territory, or its allies, the White House National Security Council said it needlessly raises tensions and risks destabilizing the security situation in the region. Officials here also called it a flagrant violation of multiple U.N. Security Council resolutions. Greg Clugston, the White House. The federal response, or as many Ohio residents believe, the lack thereof, amid the growing fallout from the train derailment in East Palestine that released toxic chemicals into the air, has found a new target of criticism. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Republican Senator Marco Rubio from Florida has sent a letter to President Biden calling for the immediate resignation of Buttigieg for what Rubio says is a gross level of incompetence and apathy that is detrimental to the safety and prosperity of the American people. Buttigieg responded to criticism by seeming to downplay the severity of the situation in East Palestine. There's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. Rubio's letter describes how, in his words, Buttigieg downplayed and ignored crisis after crisis over the past two years. Rubio summed up his letter by saying, quote, It is painfully clear to the American people that Secretary Buttigieg has little regard for the duties of the Secretary of Transportation. End quote. Ohio Senator Michael Rooley joined Fox News and says what he sees from constituents on the ground and at the site of the crash. The federal government is nowhere to be found. I'm there a lot. And so there's so many different problems with this situation. I suggest that anyone inside of the city or within three or four miles do not drink the water, drink only bottled water, do not bathe in the water. And if you have the means, I strongly suggest you get a hotel. I think it's going to be months of soil testing 
air testing and, and, and water testing. And I think you have to have journals. You have to have a medical journal on yourself of how you were before the accident and how you are after the accident. And I think every time they come and they do a sampling of your soil or your water or your air, you need to log that. If they come with equipment, use your phone and take a picture of the data that they're producing because it's really hard to believe the government that everything's just okay. I, I, I'm having trouble with that especially because I'm on the ground. The Ohio State Senator agrees with Marco Rubio. Buttigieg has got to go. The Secretary of Transportation needs to resign. I think Mark Rubio was point on. I think his response to this is the last straw. I, he's already proven over the last two years that he's incompetent of his job. They called him pothole Pete for a reason. He should not be in this position. He has not even come close to being near ground zero, and, and, and he should be ashamed. Ruley takes the Democrat Party to task for what he sees as their hypocrisy on the environment. We all saw the video. We all saw that, that explosion. We all saw what went in the air. And we've even seen the pictures from the sky, from above the clouds, on how it penetrated the atmosphere. This is a party that's supposed to be about the environment, and yet they are nowhere to be found. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter what political party you are in East Palestine right now. They don't care about DZNR. They care about human life. I have single moms that have four or five kids living next to the railroad track crying in the streets. It is so much worse than the federal government understands. And for him to say that is irresponsible of just being a human being, to be honest with you. Ruley goes on to explain what he and other Ohio lawmakers are doing for the people of East Palestine. We're writing legislation right now that's going to take care of any of the cracks. And I think the governor will sign that. I have confidence in that. Mm-hmm. And we, I went at Mike from uh, Second Harvest Food Bank. We have six trailer loads of new water going in there right now today. Uh, we're trying to get every family, not 25 to 30 cases of water. And we're going to make sure you have your hotel rooms. We're going to make sure the samplings are done in the soil, the air, and in the water. Please keep those logs and journals. It's going to be a long time. I would say at least a year before that time even comes close to being back to normal. In Rubio's letter, he also hints at reporting that alleges Buttigieg abused taxpayer dollars by chartering private jets, which are more expensive than is allowed in regulations that govern federal employee travel. If you believe that natural immunity is stronger than the COVID vaccine, the science community is now admitting that you're right. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens is looking at the new scientific studies. According to research now being published in The Lancet, immunity acquired from a COVID infection provides strong, lasting protection against the coronavirus, more protection than two mRNA vaccinations. Infection acquired immunity cut the risk of hospitalization and death from COVID reinfection by 88% for at least 10 months. The study authors said the information should be considered going forward where vaccination requirements are concerned. They said Europe treated past COVID infections as equal to vaccines where employment and public events were concerned. The research involves 65 studies from 19 countries. Tasha Stevens reporting. YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki says she's stepping down and that Neil Mohan, chief product officer, will take the lead as the senior vice president and new head of YouTube. Some big news out of YouTube today. 
CEO Susan Wojcicki announcing she's stepping down after nine years in the position and nearly a quarter century at parent company Google. In a blog post, Wojcicki wrote in part, Today, after nearly 25 years, I've decided to step back from my role as head of YouTube and start a new chapter focused on my family, health, and personal projects that I'm passionate about. While she was at YouTube, she oversaw the company's rapid expansion to a platform that now has over 2.5 billion monthly active users and more than 500 hours of content being uploaded every minute. However, according to reports, the growth has been difficult to contain. Google and YouTube had to pay $170 million in 2019 to settle a case where the video platform allegedly violated children's privacy laws. And Wojcicki also came under fire during the 2020 elections and the COVID-19 pandemic as the platform struggled to contain what it deemed as misinformation or disinformation campaigns. Yahoo Finance tech editor Dan Howley explains why the senior leader stepping down is a huge deal. Wojcicki stepping down here. She's uh, obviously has led YouTube for nine years. She's a she was a CEO. She's been at Google for 25 years. She was one of their first employees. In fact, the the big deal about her is she rented her garage space to uh, Sergey Brin um, uh, and Larry Page. And that's kind of how they got Google off the ground. So it's a really, you know, interesting story. She's been around this for quite some time and she has taken uh, YouTube to become one of the biggest websites on the internet. I mean, you know, they're, they're dealing with a lot of competition, but you know, they still bring in billions of dollars in revenue. Uh, I, I don't have the number on me right now, but I leave the, I believe the last uh, amount that they had brought in for the prior quarter was somewhere around $8 billion in, in ad revenue. Um, and so it's, it's a massively important property to them, but it's also important because it helps ensure that they have a constant flow of users. Howley suggests that while YouTube is dealing with a lot of competition from social media sites like TikTok, YouTube is looking to expand into the realm of television. They're dealing with competition from, you know, I mean, so she's been there, obviously, for the for the nine years. She was part of the, the ad team prior to that. But she has dealt with incoming competition from Facebook, right? Facebook going into video, from Instagram going into video, from TikTok. Uh, now they're dealing with uh, that, and they launched their shorts, obviously, uh, uh, a few years back. That's to deal with the, the short-form video aspect of things. So they really are kind of dealing with this uh, at the same time as ad revenue is falling, right? Not as a result of anything the business itself is necessarily doing wrong, but just because that's what we're seeing. Digital ad sales are down. Uh, you can look at uh, Meta and Facebook. Uh, you can look at Snap. Uh, you know, they're all dealing with these kinds of problems. So I think at, at this point in time, where does uh, YouTube go from here? Well, they are expanding. Obviously, YouTube TV has become a big deal. Uh, they have the, the NFL Sunday ticket deal uh, that they had signed. And so, you know, I think that's where they continue to move forward. This is this is something that's going to be a bigger part of the story for them. Howley explains who the new CEO of YouTube is and where he believes he will take the company. 
So he's been there for quite a while as well. He came over with the, the DoubleClick deal. So when they previously purchased DoubleClick, Google had done that. He came over then, and he's been with YouTube for quite some time now. And he was actually part of getting YouTube off the ground, getting shorts going. So he knows this product. So it's not as though you know they have an outsider coming in who doesn't necessarily understand the product, doesn't necessarily understand where YouTube is going or what it needs to do. I think he really will help guide it in this, a similar direction, right? They've worked together for quite sometime. Uh, again, it's not as though YouTube is a broken product or anything along those lines. It's still one of the biggest websites out there. Um, but I do think that they can ring more out as they go into the live TV aspect and the, the on-demand services aspect of it. YouTube booked $7.96 billion in advertising revenue in the fourth quarter, which fell short of analyst expectations and was down 8% from the prior year. Amazon is instructing its corporate and tech workers to return to the office at least three times per week starting May 1. Daybreak Insiders, Edwin Mora has more on this story. Amazon CEO Andy Jassy reveals in a memo to staff that the e-commerce behemoth officially requires corporate and tech employees to go back into the office at least three days per week starting May 1st. Senior leadership evaluated what worked during the pandemic, concluding that employees' engagement and collaboration increases when interacting in person. Meanwhile, fully working remotely plagued company culture and hindered collaboration on important innovation. The details behind the new hybrid work model are a work in progress. Edwin Mora reporting. Former President Jimmy Carter the longest-lived American president has entered home hospice care in his hometown of Plains, Georgia. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has more on the health and legacy of the peanut farming president. The Carter Center says after a series of short hospital stays, the 98-year-old former president decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family and receive hospice care instead of additional medical intervention. The 39th president has the full support of his medical team and family. Jimmy Carter was a little-known Georgia governor when he began his bid for the presidency ahead of the 1976 election. He went on to defeat then-president Gerald Ford, capitalizing as a Washington outsider in the wake of the Vietnam War and Watergate. Carter served a single tumultuous term and was defeated by Republican Ronald Reagan in 1980. I'm Julie Walker. And finally, a court has ordered the FBI to release photos, videos, maps, and other documents related to a search for Civil War gold. In 2018, the FBI excavated a remote site in Dense Run, Pennsylvania, after testing suggested tons of gold may have been buried there. Government documents suggest the dig came up empty. But a professional treasure hunter thinks differently. Dennis Parada fought the release of FBI records on the dig. Now he's gone to federal court to accuse the FBI of distorting key evidence and improperly withholding records. Parada says when they tested for gold in the ground at the Pennsylvania site, the readings were off the charts. We brought them up here in the snow, set the GPL up, 
and set the test off and the uh, machine lit up gold. I mean, it was bright. The light bulb almost blew out. Parada says the release of records by the FBI has been a long time in coming. I spent uh, seven years proving that the gold was in the ground. The treasure hunter says he feels double-crossed and lied to after the FBI dug at night when operations were supposed to have been paused. I went back the day after they dug with all my equipment, and uh, we didn't get no more gold or silver readings. For its part, the FBI defends its handling of the records. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.